Hello and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, your host, as we dive into the fourth and final section of the Ven Armani Dim Age interview. So this will be the end of the interview in that regard, but there will, of course, be an elaboration episode or two after this, and then that will fully conclude the Ven Armani Dim Age series, and we will move on to the next thing. So without further ado, I will pick up where I left off in part three of the interview. And as a brief reminder, Vin had just gotten into some examples of people taking action in regards to some examples that we can draw from in fighting the Church of Woke. And he alluded to some spiritual aspects of that. And that is where I will now pick up. So I guess that's similar to Jesus's call to action of go out and make disciples. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't totally understand this philosophy. It wasn't become a theologian and study all these texts. It wasn't make a bunch of converts. It wasn't even just tell a million people about this and spread the word. All of those things did play a role and there are factors of those that are important. Yes, but the main thing was to make disciples. It was to mm-hmm. con- not just convert somebody to a way of thinking, it was to have people living their lives in a way where they are acting out what Jesus is teaching, which is what the scriptures laid out and the way that he interpreted that and showed that forward in their time period and explained that. And uh, that goes really well along with what you're saying, where it's about action. It's, It's not just belief. It's, you know, even the demons believe and yet, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in their position. And so it's not just belief and it's not just that study. And a lot of libertarians, I think, fall into this trap of trying to fully understand Austrian economics or digging into all the conspiratorial aspects of history Mm -hmm. and the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and trilateral commission and on and on and on. Uh, All of these aspects play a role, and these things are true. And I have dug into all these things myself as well. Yes, I think we all have. But but you you run into a trap when that is all you do, when that is your goal, when that is your faith. That it's not just believing these things. It's not just studying them. It's not just understanding them. Even it's it's actually living them out in your life in a way that can be seen by others. And it's when others see you, I guess another biblical principle is when Mm -hmm. others see you do these things, they will give glory to God. And so Mm -hmm. it's your action that is seen by others and you are getting others to act in the same way as you're making these disciples. That is what creates a true social movement. And yeah, I I really like how you you laid that out and really highlight that fact of, of action. That's something that that I think we really need. It's very important. Um, another another parallel that I've heard you allude to before, and I don't think you went into detail, and I don't even remember what you said, but I remember a parallel with the armor of God. And so yes. that reminds me of taking action, this idea of spiritual warfare against powers and principalities in a mystical age. Can can you go over your thoughts on on that aspect of the teachings of the armor of God? Well, the armor of God is is gain through prayer. And so then the question is, well, what is prayer, right? That's, uh, I, I think this is where some, this is where it gets dicey 
particularly for people in the libertarian community and particularly for for materialists, even those of us who are brought up in the church. And I mean, I have to say that my it's it has taken a it has been a long path for me to truly understand and I don't even truly understand it, I would say, but to to start to begin to approach prayer in the way that the or it was in the original the original tradition in terms of the mysticism of prayer. And a lot of that is through um a- having actual experience, and I think especially my experiences with ayahuasca uh, and ayahuasca ceremonies, which I've done, I don't know, somewhere around 15 or so of them, was transformative for me, because in some ways that is training wheels and uh, indisputable proof that you can commune with uh, spirits in a, (laughs) what would I, what would you say? A a very visceral and very real and very material, if if you, if I, if I could be so bold way um, in front of your eyes, like really there in a way that you can't deny and then to also understand that it's a lot less subjective than perhaps many other things. In other words, it's not in your head, it's not a dream, it's not a personal hallucination that you are experiencing something that everyone else in a, a room or a setting uh, and who have done it before are, can talk to you about this same spirit that they experience, regardless of who they are, what their background is, what their gender is, what their political ideology is, what their background in terms of trauma, their age, whatever. You're like, oh, yes, this, 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 as though I was to meet you and someone else was to meet you and we were to talk about you, right? So this is one of the ways that we know that something is not a hallucination. This is one of the heuristics that we have. Hey, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. What was that? I don't know. It looked like, what did it look like to you? And then we both described the same thing. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, good. Now I know I'm not crazy. I didn't just hallucinate mm-hmm. that. Right? Isn't that what the heuristic that we use? Yeah. And so through that experience was really, I mean, I, I had, you know, participated in, let's say, occult and religious practices and esotericism. And that really got me to a point where I was like, okay. And then there, I started to notice patterns of, of opening myself to that experience as well. And, and then I guess, you know, as some people would say, like, uh, I started to feel called by maybe something else. And then on my own through, I was lucky that on my own, through my own previous experiences, I was able to begin a practice of developing my own system of prayer to where I could access this, thing the most high to where I could have an understanding and then to really start understanding, ah, ah, okay, I get what the the Holy Spirit is and why, you know, Logos is there and why I'm communicating through the Logos carried by the Holy Spirit to get information from the most high. And, And then things start getting weird. And I started to have really the types of experiences that, that now, as I've spoken with Orthodox uh, people and uh, Orthodox priests in particular realize, okay, I get it. I got it. I've got it now. And then, you know, now, now I am, I, I have, I'm able to improve on that. But the thing about the, when, when you start talking about the armor of God is that really that's, you're able to get the program. Let's go back to the tree example, right? So the church of woke has all of these cults, 
so we can see this. So there's the SJW cult. Now there's the COVID cult. There's the climate cult. There's the uh, uh, gender cult. There's the feminist cult. There's now the sex worker cult. There's there's all these different cults, and they all work for the same tree. They all work for the same deity. And that deity, as you can see, it's a self-organizing system, and it sort of has, it's able to move narrative and consciousness between the groups. So like I recently, there was a tweet, people can go and look at it, and it's Amazon workers for climate justice who are saying enough is enough, AWS, you have to remove Parler from the system because... Uh, they're of their racist and white supremacist views. And you look and you're like, wait, aren't you the Amazon workers for climate justice? <laughs> and, but, oh, because you're just a cult in the Church of Woke, right? And so then it would be the same thing as Black Lives Matter making a statement about climate issues, which we would totally expect, right? We would totally expect that. That wouldn't be unheard of it's like yes they're we are allies right they're allies they're a denomination of the same church i guess same religion they're all part of the same they're all cults of the same church and so in the same but there's no one you notice there wasn't like some representative from the church of woke who went to the amazon workers for climate justice person and said hey you need to do something to tell them to take down Parler because you're Amazon workers. You'll notice that. There wasn't a material thing that happened. But inside of that person, because they are daily praying to the deity of woke, the deity of woke is speaking to them and has programmed them and, has, and is saying to them, somewhere in their conscious said, you need to make a tweet about this to, because that's part of... So something told them that, right? Not everybody did that. Not every Amazon work, uh, worker did that. But th for some reason, this person who controls that account thought to do this. Well, that's a, where did that thought come from? Well, it's the self-organizing system, right? It's the, it's the behavior of a, a, a leaf turning to catch the sun to benefit the tree or the bee going to get honey to benefit the hive, that's the programming. And so what's the other side? Well, the other side is the Most High has a program too. So this is why this, the, the, the inane cliche of God's got a plan for you. You know, these are the cliches of pop Christianity that are drawing on the, the truths of the mystics of the past, the church fathers, the desert fathers, the saints from out of the desert who went into the desert, who fasted for 40 days at a time like Christ does at the beginning of the Gospels, and who spoke to the deity, right? Who's in charge of the big tree. And that person said, go do this, right? And, and that is what the armor of God is, because the armor of God is just like the programming of a bee. It's like, go get this honey and bring it back. And I already have the other bees getting honey too. And when you come back, everything will be put together. Don't sweat it. Just go do what you're told. Be, purify yourself so that you're a good bee. And then go do what you're told. But the thing is, this is there is a, 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 a method of prayer. 
And it is, you know, what's, what's interesting is that this idea of fasting, or at least controlling of the diet, you know, with ayahuasca, it's called a dieta. And it's like, don't eat these things beforehand and, and eat these things and eat in this order. And I've done enough to know that when I don't follow it, I don't get the connection. Ooh, that's weird. That's weird. And it's like, ah, to the materialist, they're like, well, there's probably some chemical interaction and this and the other. And yes, probably there is. But the shamans don't understand it that way in the Amazon. They just understand if you want the connection in the right way to ayahuasca, you're going to do this practice with your body of purification. And that also happens to include abstaining from sex, for instance, for seven days beforehand, including self-pleasuring. Right, the same types of things that are in these other traditions, and it's like, whoa, that's weird. How do these guys in the desert, uh, in the jungle, not in contact with any of these people, in their practice of contacting the divine, end up on the same exact material practices as these guys halfway around the world going into the desert to meditate in a cave, or in India doing the same, or or Buddhists? in China, doing the same. It's like, isn't that weird? Shouldn't that tell you something? Isn't that a pattern? And so there is the, I think that this is the biggest problem and the most unfortunate thing is that we'll talk about Christianity and people in the West, they have this idea of Christianity. And I will tell you, like, you can talk too. Not, and it's not talk. You can get in line and in tune with the the the, the God that is described in the Bible. You definitely can. And you don't need to go to church to do it. And there are plenty of saints in the tradition, and they don't want you to check out the saints in the tradition, but there are plenty of saints in the tradition who didn't even who had never even stepped foot in a church. Or maybe once or twice. I'm thinking of St. Mary of Egypt. People can look her up. She stepped in a church twice in her life and uh, you know took communion twice. Once when she basically like realized, ah, okay, this is it for me. And then she went into the desert and she took communion again the, the night that she died. Hmm. And for 27 years lived in the desert. And she spoke to, and, and the monk that encountered her when he was on his own fast for Lent was blown away. She had been speaking to the, she, hadn't, she couldn't read. She'd never read the scriptures. She's a saint. She's one of the most venerated saints in the, in the Orthodox faith. This is how it was. This is how Christianity was understood. That it isn't about church. It isn't about scriptures. It isn't about studying any of that. There wasn't a New Testament for any of these people, the early Christians. They had no New Testament. They, it was about a direct connection with the Most High through a system of prayer and ritual. And so that's what I have a feeling people will come back to if for like because I'm realizing that I've gotten back to it, man, my life has changed. And what I what I want to be and how I want to live my life, I don't want to break that connection and so it's so crazy. Things like I mean, I had become through my lifestyle and everything, I had become an extreme alcoholic where I was drinking every day, but it wasn't affecting my work or anything like that, my family. Not in any way. And it's not that it was something like, oh, I need to stop drinking. But now I just am like, I'll look at a drink and be like, ooh, that's going to affect my morning prayers. Hmm. And it's way more valuable to me. And so I'm just like, oh, I'm good. You know, not because there's anything bad or sinful or anything like that. And, but it's the same with a lot of things. And so I think like 
the armor of God is the idea that you will be given instructions and called, and it's in a very interesting way, and people who have done psychedelics will know that this is the case, and you will get messages, and then you just do it, and it, and it all works out. Because there's a general, because there's a tree, and you're just a leaf, and just be a leaf. But without that, all you've got is woke. So people are, so you've got the choice. You don't have the answers. So this is why the Mephistophelian is falling apart. So you've got a choice. You can either go to the Most High or you can get subsumed into the Church of Woke and they will tell you what to do and you will be an NPC. Or if you're a faulty NPC, they will just eliminate you one way or the other, which is what we're seeing them do by depersoning people. And that's the battle at hand. Hmm. So I guess that really makes a lot of sense with when Jesus and the first disciples and early Christians as well, you you see what they're doing and they're they're performing exorcisms. They are Mm -hmm. raising the dead. They're performing miracles and healing the sick. These are very concrete things that, like you say, it's not about telling a narrative or studying theology. It's mm-hmm. about the action. But it, some of this stuff is pretty extreme, very spiritual, very divine, very otherworldly, supernatural action that people can actually see. And yeah, I, I think that does make a huge impact. But like you say, it, it takes a level of individual dedication and individual choice and will that uh, I think can be very hard to come by in modern times. And so... Definitely. But yeah. I think if people, if people are seeking it, and if they're called to it, it will find you. Yeah. Seek and you will find? <laughs> it, yes, it will. Well, it will find you. Believe me. Because if you're seeking, that's already that same small, still voice. That's, that's the most high. And it's just about following that small, still voice, and you, and you will find it. But one thing that I will say to you about, and just, so just something to think about, uh, and, and maybe this might even be a good, good place to end it off, I think, but the, the idea of what Jesus and the disciples are doing in terms of healing the sick, raising the dead, performing miracles, loaves and fishes, walking on water, all of this. You know, what one thing we said towards the beginning, or what, one thing that I said to you was, in a mystical age, the future determines the past. And so what you have to realize is that like those gospels, that canon, the, all of these teachings were put together centuries after Christ had already died. And they were when they were put together, they were put together by some very, very intelligent people, some of the most intelligent people. And I think us as materialists, we look and we're like, oh, they're just trying to trick people. They're just putting those, those stories in there. That can't really happen. They're just trying to trick people. But the future determines the past. And what I will say is that for someone who is a practiced mystic and who has taken to this practice and has seen the miracles that it can work in their own life, the idea that, that see, these are just a step up of miracles, right? So it's like, I have watched miracles be worked in my own life. Things where I'm like, that shouldn't be happening. This is crazy. 
what is this? This doesn't make any sense, but this is like, whoa, what are the chances of this? It's one in a million. After being told, ah, oh, just do this. And I think that this is Paul on the road to Damascus as well. And what it is to say is that the future determines the past. So these individuals having experienced putting on the armor of God and having miracles happen in their own life, things that seemed like there's no way that they should be happening, but for the fact that it's divine providence, to then look back and say, well, of course that would have happened. That if only I was that level more connected, of course it would happen. Because it's not impossible, it's just highly improbable. And that so that's an important thing to remember. So if someone's like, I can't get with it, somebody walking on water. I can't get with it, someone raising the dead. I can't get with it, somebody uh, born from a virgin, virgin and then, you know, resurrected from the dead. And it's like, the the future determines the past. Will that story still be around 300 years from now? Why are other stories not still around? How false could it be if it's still around? Why does it have utility? The future determines the past. That's going to be a hard one for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, but at least I hope for at least a few that it's something that they can like ruminate on as we move into this new age, because I think it's one of the most important things that you can grasp. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much. Um, I do have a few more brief sure. things. Um, number one would be the very last kind of topic here is that there are some illusions that as we get into, or illusions, as we get into uh, taking action and problems and things to think about, uh, people, there, there's a there's an analogy that I've heard you use of the illusion of freedom and trails and roads. And I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that a little bit as as people are looking into how to act and where to go from here, um, maybe watch out for some hazards kind of a thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And that might actually help understand other people as they are interacting with others and normies and seeing how people uh, converse and discuss on these types of topics. There are a lot of illusions that um, that people have, and they think one thing, but reality is something totally different, and they're struggling to see something from a certain perspective. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Well, help help me on help me on this. Give me a give me a little more because it's not it's not coming exactly to my. It might just be something that I channeled at some point. But what okay. was the? Give me a, <laughs> give me that happens from time. To, I'm I'm happy to expand on it, but you just you're just going to have to jog my memory. So give me basically give me the gist of what I said, and then I'll 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 break down what I meant. Okay, as far as I remember, you're talking about going on a trail and you come to forks in the road and you can make a decision as far as which way to go and you have many different choices and you have this aspect of free will. But in reality, every trail has a set place that it goes to and it's kind of a closed looped system that um, has determined, predetermined starts ah, and yes. ends. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Does ah, that yes. ring a bell? <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. So so this is the I think maybe one one good one good quote about this is uh or or a little like anecdote is Alan Watts tells this or or he's speaking to some group and where he says, you know, we think about these terrible people over over there. 
who are doing bad things. They're terrible people. And we, uh, we need to understand that if we were to go and sit in their group, that they would be speaking about us the same. They would be saying, oh, those terrible people over there. And we see this in this, in this sort of, uh, in this meme of the, you know, our glorious leader, their terrible tyrant, our patriotic military, their rampaging hordes, whatever it is, right? That it's, it's always the other. And so we have, we have these, we we have these set, let's say, uh, good good guy bad guy roles, and we'll often this this is kind of the illusion of I'm moving down the right path and I'm the right person, um, but you got to understand that like those paths are are they're laid out and they're not created by us. They're they're those are paths that are trod by men. And, you know, we're going, you're going to move down and you're going to move and you're going to, to move along these forks in the road. But I mean, honestly, all I can, all I can uh, think right now in terms of, uh, in terms of advice before going into this any further is again, like now is it, now is a time when a lot of these paradigms are going to be blown apart. And now is a time for new patterns. And there are, there are not just two forks in the road. There are many. And there are many of them have not been trod in a very long time. And so you've got to pay attention to whether or not you are actually looking to take the right path or whether you are looking to be right to win an argument, especially with logic and, and reason, if that's what you're gonna, the way that you're going to approach it. Because right now, those paths that have been trod, they don't hold the answers. So, you know, somebody who's going and they're arguing on Twitter, and especially we've seen this with the, you know, I've been getting on people with the charts and graphs and all of this, hmm. is that all you're doing is you're setting, you're, it's, the same, it's the same paradigm. Right? You're just setting to, to play in the same game. But that game is part of the single tree. And so many of so many, you know, it's just like the people who stormed the the Capitol, who thought that they were anti-woke. Were they really? Or did they just give the woke the greatest gift that they could possibly give them? Yes. <laughs> right? That it's like that's not. It's the same game. And this is where it, it works for the, pow- the, the idea of the powers and principalities that you have to understand that it's like the NFL commissioner is, is greatly rewarded by vicious rivalries between two football teams. And even those teams are greatly rewarded by vicious rivalries. And so if you're running around with the jersey on and you're truly angry at the other side, like, who are you working for? Who are you working for? Do you know who you're working for? Because you're really, you're working for the NFL commissioner. You're not working for yourself. So, and these are, these are going to be not like football games, not like an NFL game. This is life and death. They're, the people who stormed that Capitol are being arrested right now. 
others are being put on no-fly lists and and watch lists and you know you you're giving ammo to the other side and then the other side is going to do something and that's going to give ammo to these other people but which tree are you a rhizome in which tree are you a branch in because all of that is is to the deity of the church of woke all of that is worshiping the deity that's in the church of woke those people who stormed in and the guy sitting at nancy pelosi's desk that's a gift to the deity of woke because it allows her to take all kinds of actions that she wouldn't have otherwise taken you just became her weapon and people have to realize that and they have to start thinking about that and that's where prayer comes in because you can't you're not going to be able to do it on your own and you're not going to be able to do it in reaction the entire point is to get you to react that's the entire point because when you react you go to war and then that just raises their profile raises the profile of the wokes so so it isn't in the reaction it isn't in the resistance that's all playing into this. You're all, you're worshiping at the altar of the same deity. That's what you're doing. You need to be looking for the right path and the righteous path. And you don't find that by looking at the things that are going on worldly. You need to learn how to pray and pray correctly. And that's it. So I guess you would say if we look at what action should we bef- perform, but also if we look at how do you deal with individuals in the Church of Woke who are surrounding you all over the place, you're saying, it's not about fighting them. It's not about uh, being a cog in this self-sustaining system and this tree of the Church of Woke, because that's all you're doing when you start conflict. You are saying that it's all about individual, personal action that other people can see in a peaceful, righteous way, which is the teaching of the first Christians and Jesus in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, I think more importantly, the first thing is pray for them. Because in praying for them, you will, and and I say this in a very material way, in praying for them and keeping prayer for them as the first thing, they behave in a way that the first thing you do is not react, but the first thing you do is pray for them, your reaction to them will change. That what you're praying for them is that you realize, oh, they are lost. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Oh my God, if only they could see if only they could see that they've been captured, if only they could see that they are slaves. Oh, what a shame, what a tragedy. If only they could see and have access to you, how much happier they would be because they must be miserable as slaves. You know, that's that's the first starting point. Hmm. And then how does your reaction to them change? And then how does your own reaction in the world change? Right? Then you're not the guy yelling at, the, yelling at them in Walmart about not wearing a mask in Walmart. Right? Then you're not that guy. Then you're not the guy storming the Capitol. You're not that guy. You're looking and you're saying, this is, wow. And then you go about what it is that you've been told to do. Because believe me, you look at those people, none of them were at, were at fervent morning prayers <laughs> connected and were told, by by the most high go and storm that capital zero of them zero hmm. 
Well, I think you're correct. I think that does sum it up very well and wrap all of this up. Would you mind if I asked you for like one sentence questions really quick before we go? Yeah, go ahead. Let's okay. do it. Okay. So number one, and just as a warning here, this is total departure from everything we've been talking okay, about. Fair so, enough. Go ahead. Okay. Totally random. Um, what What are some of your favorite cryptocurrency or blockchain projects going on right now? Oh, well, I would have to say the things that I'm working on that people are, are probably going to see shortly. But um, uh, Tobias Rook's Bcash, I really, really like. Um, and I, I'm, I'm paying close attention to uh, Shama Chancellor's stamp, which is basically a, a very interesting decentralized open messaging platform that's based around uh, the blockchain. And I think it is... It's potentially it's potentially the most revolutionary and and most needed piece of of tooling right now with all of the shutdowns happening. So I'm very closely paying attention to and using those. Okay, and uh, my understanding is you're more of a Bitcoin Cash kind of a guy in general. Um, is that true? And then also, what is your opinion of Litecoin? Pro, against? Uh yeah yeah well yes I mean I would say Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin ABC but until until ABC I think uh gets its act together in terms of with its branding and decides what it's going to do I'm mostly building on uh Bitcoin Cash right now as I have been since 2017 uh and Litecoin I think is fine I mean I accept Litecoin for payments for for my uh goods and services and I have for a long time I've never had a problem with Litecoin. Yeah, I think it's fine as a, you know, peer to peer cash. I don't see any problem with it, except for the fact that not a lot of places accept it. And it doesn't have a lot of the capabilities that Bitcoin Cash has in terms of the more advanced uh, contracts, script contracts. But and I'm not a speculator, so like not based on price or, or, or hodling or anything. But if somebody wants to give me some Litecoin, I'll take your Litecoin. Absolutely. I, I have no problems with taking it. Okay. What about, I guess you mentioned Stamp, but are there any other social media alternatives that that you like? Because I know like me personally, I have recently in the past few days been trying to find like, for example, a, a place to host a group where I can have separate chat rooms for one group mm-hmm. and invite people in do that in an encrypted way. Um, but even just social media, a lot of people I know, my wife, um, and I just saw some uh, someone else today are getting off Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what type of social media projects are ones that are on your radar? Well, I, I mean, I really think that the, the model of social media is very broken, as we can see. And so I'm actually, I mean, I haven't posted on Instagram and... Pfft, a year and a half, probably. I haven't posted on Facebook in multiple years. Um, so I have my accounts. And I, I think with Twitter, it's going to be the same probably within the next couple of months. I'm, if I, I, I may redo how I'm doing it, but I'm certainly not going to be interacting in the same way that I am. I, I'm, I'm actually looking for, and I think this is one reason why I'm interested in Stamp and watching it grow. I'm actually interested in kind of a more siloed, approach i guess you could say i I found that the most rewarding well i'll put it like this what i found fascinating and what i really liked about early social media so this would be like friendster when it started 
Mm. Um, not so much MySpace, but then this was kind of also true with Facebook when it first started. Uh, and Orkut was another one when it first started uh, in the early days was that it was much more about a friendster in particular was like this. It was like your circle of friends and then their circle of friends. And that that was how the connections were really made. Hmm. And I think um, that was in the early days of Facebook. It was much more siloed because it was uh, it started out as just you could only communicate with people in your university. Hmm. And then it was within your corporation and then they extended it to the public. But like the initial idea was very much this idea of like, it's a circle of people that you know in person. And this is a means of you communicating with them. And so it's much higher level of intimate relationships. And so I have found the most rewarding communications that I've had as of late have been in private telegram groups. So like uh, CounterMarkets, our newsletter, we have a private telegram group. There's, it's only subscribers. So the noise to signal ratio is very low, right? It's almost all signal. And um, it's all people that are, that are aligned. And it's, there's a lot of learning and a lot of people helping each other out. And I think if I'm going to interact with strangers, that's the way that I want to do it is within those groups. So I'm really looking for platforms that enable that much more. I know Discord tried with some of that. Slack is kind of that in a professional vein, but it's it doesn't have. I'm looking for a high level of intimacy, um, and and what I mean by that is I'm looking for like people who are very much aligned, and then I want to be in all the silos where I'm aligned, and then act as connectors between those, and that has been very effective. I really like that. I really like a platform that supports that as opposed to a bullhorn platform or as opposed to a platform where anybody can, where it's kind of a public directory and anybody can connect to me, you know, my old high school friends and this person over here and that, and it's just like, I'm not aligned with those people. So invariably what we are going to have is conflict. It's people who I otherwise would not have been communicating with out of choice that now I have to see their thoughts. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking for a little bit more of an echo chamber. I got to be honest. I'm looking for I'm looking for I'm looking for more of an echo chamber. Uh, but I have the responsibility to myself to uh, you know, it's about including people who are who are not just echoing and who are challenging some things, and then expanding your horizons that way rather than having these full on clashes of of ideology day in and day out. Makes sense. Um, final question. We, uh, or statement, whatever. Will you give us some media recommendations, whether it be podcasts or books? I know you usually recommend reading the Gospels for those who haven't. I highly recommend yes. that as well. But beyond that, um, I, podcasts and books are the two that I personally use a lot, but anything else mm-hmm. is welcome. Well, uh, anybody who hasn't read The Hero with the Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, like you got to read that immediately. Uh, that should be a first. Um I think also appropriate would be uh, David Mamet's Three Uses of the Knife, which is like about the metaphysics of, of drama. Um, podcasts, I don't know. It's, I, I don't really do the podcast thing too much, but uh, in terms of people like, for instance, on YouTube that I'm following, I think Jonathan Pajo is, I mentioned him a little earlier, is like a must follow. I think that he's just been on it. He's really, he's never used the term dim age, but he's definitely right there. 
uh, in the ideology. And so uh, I, I would say definitely start with that. And then obviously there's going to be uh, people that branch off of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think starting starting certainly with the hero with a thousand faces will help a lot of people with this idea of p- these eternal patterns and seeing the archetypes. And um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say that's a place to start. Uh, obviously, there's tons of books that I could recommend, but they would be, you know, they would be for for certain situations. I mean, if people really want to, if people really want to dig in, uh, Christianity the first three thousand years really is a, is helpful to understanding how Christianity itself has moved and changed. If you want to get into what the real, from a materialist standpoint, what the historical vein of Christianity has been. That's an interesting one, but it certainly is daunting. I mean, it's incredible. It took me a year to get through. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's a, but, uh, Darmaid McCullough's Christianity, the first 3000 years, I think is one of the most fascinating books that in existence. So, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend those. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up everything. If you have any either closing comments and, or ideally give us some ways that we can find more of your work. So Vin Armani on Twitter is good for sure. That's uh, that's where you'll you'll be able to uh, run across any things that I'm doing, and I'll, I post them to my Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, and uh, I have a YouTube channel as well. There's a lot of content on there. A lot of it's evergreen that you can check out. And then Counter Markets, which is countermarkets.com for all the agorists out there. That's our newsletter. That's been it'll be four years that we've been doing this newsletter. I think coming up this next month and it's been a labor of love, really proud of it. And like I said earlier for every, for if you subscribe, there's a private telegram group as well, which I think is, is probably the biggest value in the whole thing. Although, you know, I mean, I think our articles are great too, but being able to have that fellowship with people is, is I think so valuable. And so that's countermarkets.com. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate it. I think, we really hit on a lot of things that people need to hear and elaborated on a lot of things that people need to understand. And I greatly appreciate you being willing to come on and talk to us about this. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So that concludes the Vin Armani interview on The Dim Age. I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. I believe most of you have because I've heard some feedback from many of you and you guys have really been enjoying these episodes as well as the elaborations in between and I'm very glad. There will be another elaboration or two on this section that we just did and then that will officially conclude this series. As a kind of random update, I did get the new order of mugs. So any of you that have signed up on Patreon and you were at a level where you can get some merchandise for free and you chose a mug, that mug has now come in. I put some pictures on Twitter for you guys to see and those will get sent out this week ish. They were supposed to get sent out last week and didn't get around to it. So probably this week and uh, that should be headed your way. In addition, I do have the new logo for the podcast. So hopefully you guys have seen that and like that. I've gotten some positive feedback on that as well. So that's cool. And I am also getting together some of the uh, a lot of the resources that 
uh, both that Vin alluded to and mentioned specifically, as well as ones that I have drawn from and mentioned specifically during this whole Dimage series, as well as some others that will tie in very well and supplement very well for this type of search. If you so choose to dive into these things even more, and you want to read about some of these social cycle theories or some of the theology or any of this kind of stuff, I'm, gonna, I'm getting those resources all together in one place, and I am not exactly sure where I'm going to put that yet. It will either be in the show notes for the final episode of this series, or it will be on the podcast website under resources. There's a drop-down menu. There's a resources tab. I've, I've got resources listed there already that I draw from and have drawn on since the beginning of the podcast, and that includes other podcasts as well as books as well as authors in general that I have read a lot of and get a lot from. And so I'm trying to keep that updated as well. I haven't updated that in well over a year, so I'm working working on updating that too. And then I'll also have a place for all these resources specifically about the dim age. I was asked about that. And so I will accommodate that and make sure that I get that out there. If you have any other questions or you want specific resources about certain topics or certain things that are mentioned anytime in this podcast, feel free always to reach out to me, send me an email or reach out in any other way. And I would be happy to get those to you and I will get back to you on that. So I think that's everything. I do want to make sure that I say thank you very much to all of you for all of your various kinds of support. This can be listening. This can be sharing the show with others. This can be uh, retweeting something on Twitter or leaving a rating or leaving a review even better or supporting financially even better through Patreon or Subscribestar. As of now, I don't have any Subscribestar subscribers, but it, it is a good option, especially if you are not very fond of some of the censorship that Patreon is associated with and you want to do a different platform that is open as well as cryptocurrencies. You'll just have to let me know if you send me crypto currency so I know who you are and I can get you any rewards that you would like to pick up on for that because there are perks for being a subscriber. I'm also looking into releasing sections of the books that I am writing and doing that as almost like a blog on the uh, Patreon and Subscribestar pages. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do that. I've been thinking about that over the past week or two that maybe I can release maybe not a full chapter, but at least, you know, a page or two pages or something like that at a time. And if those are topics that you guys are interested in, you can read it kind of like a blog in a sense. And you can also give me feedback. So that would be beneficial for me to get some people reading my material before I get to the final editing stages. That would be very helpful. And uh, ideally, if you're listening to this podcast, that information will probably be attractive to you as well. So I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do that, but that is my rough plan for now. So you can be on the lookout for that if you are a subscriber and supporter. And I guess with that, I'm out. Peace. This has been another episode of Our Foundation's podcast. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye.